Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at goforacan. You can also Hit us up here in our chat room here at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. So you can hit us up in various different ways. You can talk to us in various different ways as we're going to talk sports and have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by the newest member of the Memphis Grizzlies, Vince Carter. And Vince, who was with the Dallas Mavericks last year, signed with the Grizzlies uh, last week. And um, so we're going to talk to Vince Carter about that. Signing with the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, obviously Vince Carter, near the twilight, in the twilight of his career, in the twilight, but at the same time, Vince Carter can still make some plays for you. Vince Carter can still put the ball in the basket for you. Still a, a valuable contributor off the bench for the Memphis Grizzlies. So we're going to talk to Vince about all things related to his signing with the Memphis Grizzlies. And, and does Vince Carter, what does he do for the Memphis Grizzlies? Does he put the Grizzlies over the top? We'll see. The Memphis Grizzlies are a team, 50-plus winning team the last two years, and a team that is in need of wing players. They need wing players. So we'll see what Vince Carter brings to the table. We're going to talk to Vince uh, about that. Vince will be joining us at 10 after the hour. Also expected to be joined by NBA legend Isaiah Thomas, he's going to join us, and we're going to talk about NBA free agency and, and talk about who, what, what he saw, get his thoughts on LeBron going to back to Cleveland, get his thoughts on Lance Stevenson and, and his decision to go with the, the Charlotte Hornets, get his thoughts on all things mellow and his decision to return to the New York Knicks. We're going to talk to Isaiah about that, and also we're going to be joined by rapper Amirati. He's got a new single out, a uh, new song out. We're going to talk to him about that. So big, big show lined up for you today. And we weren't here last week and and you know, so we missed the whole week, so we missed all the LeBron stuff and we missed so I missed talking about all the LeBron stuff. Well folks, he made official last week, last Friday to be exact. He's coming home. He's going home, back to Cleveland, back to where it all started for LeBron James and and it, you kinda saw it coming. I mean you look at the situation with the Miami Heat, you saw that ball club. I mean, if you watched the finals just like I watched the finals, you saw a ball club in the Miami Heat. It was just, quite frankly, a, a team other than LeBron James. I mean, LeBron James was carrying that ball club. And D. Wade, uh, a guy who was his robin, if you will, for, for during this time, during the big three era, era, excuse me, you know, he was a shell of himself. He was not the same player. That, he wasn't that guy anymore. He wasn't that guy, and it showed, not only on the offensive end, but it showed on the defensive end. 
I mean, LeBron was a one-man gang, a one-man crew, and it wasn't enough to beat all 9, 10, 11, 12 San Antonio Spurs. It just wasn't enough. So you saw the writing was on the wall. You saw that you looked at the Miami Heat situation now, the way things were working out. There was no way that, the way I saw it, there was no way they could, unless they were going to try to find a way to get mellow. And as we all found out, that was pretty much a pipe dream. But there was really no way they could have done anything to upgrade around LeBron James. So LeBron James had a decision to make. Do you stick around in Miami? Obviously, if you roll out the basketball with the big three, Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, that's probably enough to get you back to the NBA Finals. Probably enough, especially after Lance Stevenson going to the Hornets. That's probably enough. So do you roll the ball out and, and go again with the big three, or do you say, you know what, let me go back, to let me go to a better situation, a different situation. For example, Cleveland, you look at the Cleveland situation, Cleveland's situation is, is a good situation, not a bad situation, it's a young situation. And LeBron, as he points out in his letter, he's not sure. He really doesn't believe at this point maybe that the, the, the Cavaliers are, are primed and ready to win the title. Yet. Yet. But you look at this Cleveland team, obviously Kyrie Irving, he signed a, a, decent, a, a big deal with the Cavs. He's staying there. You got Wiggins. You got Deion Waiters. You got Tristan Thompson. Mike Miller signing there. Maybe Ray Allen is coming. Who knows? But you look at the situation, and maybe Kevin Love could be on the way. And if you get Kevin Love, you're probably going to have to lose Andrew Wiggins. So that's a decision that the Cavaliers have to make, whether or not. And, and, and in a lot of ways, you're, you're going to have to predict whether or not Andrew Wiggins is a superstar caliber player or a star caliber player like Kevin Love is right now. So you would have to figure that out. So it's really an interesting call by the Cleveland Cavaliers if, you know, the one way, the only way they can get this done is by including Andrew Wiggins. You have a big decision to make, a big decision to make, if that's the case, a big decision. And so, it's, see, as I look at it, I say if you can get Kevin Love, you get a guy, obviously, who who – is big time, a double-double machine, 20-10 and 12, 20 and 10 guy. He's that guy. So you get a guy like that, obviously that's going to help. And you team him with LeBron James, that's going to help. But then at what cost? Does it cost you Andrew Wiggins? Does it cost you a guy who could be a possible superstar in this league? I'm not saying he's going to be, but there's always the possibilities. Young, young boy. So he, he – He's got a lot of growing to do in this league, but when it's all said and done, he could be a stud. He could be an absolute stud. But then again, if you pull the trigger and you bring in a Kevin Love, and with bringing in Kevin Love, you ultimately win a title or two, it's well worth it. <laughs> I mean, it's truly well worth it at that point. If that happens that way, if it were to happen that way, then it's well worth it. But the Cavaliers have a decision to make. And just looking at the Eastern Conference right now, looking at the way it's presently constructed, just looking around, obviously uh, Melo, he goes back with the Knicks, Phil's there with the Knicks, Derek Fisher's the coach. Maybe it gets better in New York, but, again, you need players. Calderon is there. 
I mean, they, they lose something with Chandler, but they, they don't lose much because they do bring in the Dallin Barrett guy who does sort of similar what Tyson Chandler does in a lot of ways. I think I'd rather have Chandler, but Dallin Barrett's not too far off. But you bring back Melo. You are in the Eastern Conference, Tim Hardaway. And, and I thought one of the biggest issues that the Knicks had last season was J.R. Smith. And his, you know, he, he was six-man-a-year award winner two seasons ago, and he was a big difference maker for the New York Knicks. You know, last year he, he has the knee surgery. He's not the same player. He's not the same player. And, and you miss that. You miss what he brought to the table. You miss that. And so you look at the New York Knicks, obviously they're – I think the Knicks are going to be a playoff team. I think they are going to be better. I think they are going to be better. How much better? I don't know. But I think they are going to be better. And so you see the situation with the Knicks. You see what they did. And you just look at, just looking around the East. Charlotte adding Lance Stevenson. But then at the same time, not only Charlotte adds Lance Stevenson, but you look at what it does to the Pacers. Obviously it weakens the Pacers. It weakens the Pacers team. So Lance Stevenson going to the Charlotte Hornets obviously is a big-time move for the Charlotte Hornets. Looking at the East, the Chicago Bulls, you amnesty Carlos Boozer, and you bring in a Pal Gasol. you got a long front line there in Chicago. Derrick Rose is back. How many times have we heard that? It's, just, it's an old story in a lot of ways, but Derrick Rose is back. Derrick Rose is back. So Chicago is better. And I wouldn't discount the Miami Heat. I mean, and the key to me is Dwayne Wade. And to me, Dwayne Wade has always been the key. And so Dwayne Wade has always been the key for me, whether or not he can stay healthy. And, and that's the key for Dwayne Wade is health. If he's healthy, he's a 20-point scorer. If he's healthy, he's a guy that can lead your ball club. But the key word is health. Chris Bosh, obviously, with LeBron out of there, Chris Bosh's role is going to be larger. It's going to be bigger. And, and so, and, and Chris Bosh, many forget, this guy was 20 and 10. This guy has been 20 and 10 in his career. He's, he's not a bum. He's not a scrub. By no means. And, you know, and you look at, and obviously, you know, in Miami, he didn't have the same type of role that he had in Toronto. And the thing is, Chris Bosh is a very, very good power forward. And it's like, obviously, he's not a max guy. He's not a max guy, and, and the thing is, a fun, and that's the thing about this free agency thing. It was so funny, you know, how, how things kind of worked out. I mean, you're saying at this point, okay, the shoe has finally dropped. LeBron James is going to Cleveland. The shoe has dropped. LeBron's in Cleveland. Okay, now what's going to happen to Bosch? Well, reports were, you, you watch ESPN, those guys were saying, okay, now that LeBron is in Miami, the next move, is Bosch and him going to Houston. And, and we kind of thought that was a foregone conclusion, especially after Houston cleared the space when they traded Jeremy Lin and Omar Oshik. So after they cleared that space, you figured at that point, well, you figured, okay, Chris Bosch is probably going to Houston. And then you thought Houston was going to match Chandler Parsons' deal, and you thought, wow. You look at that starting lineup in Houston, and that's a big-time formidable starting lineup. That's what you thought. 
That was the belief. And then Bosch turns around. Obviously, the Miami Heat can give him more, and not too many people will walk away for close to $30 million. You don't walk away from that type of money. You don't do it. I don't, don't give me this talk about, well, if you take less, you can get more help for the team, more cap flexibility, things of that nature. At the end of the day, money is money. And there's no way you're replacing $30 million, especially Chris Bosch. There's no way he's replacing that kind of money. He's not getting, bringing in, uh, you know, advertising like that. He's not bringing in endorsement deals and things of that nature. So he had to do what he had to do financially. And, and the guy never wanted to leave Miami. He never wanted to leave Miami. He said it. So I know LeBron James is gone, but guess what? You already got two rings. So at this point, you might as well get as much money as you can. The rings are there. Get the money. And you like Miami. You like living in the area. You like South Florida. You love it. So why leave, especially if the money is good? You don't leave. That's the whole point, especially if you can get a max deal out of the Miami. There's no way Chris Bosch was getting that kind of money from anybody. No way it's possible. 30 years old. This is it. His final contract. So, of course, final contract, you're going to do what you got to do, for sure. And, and, and that's what Chris Bosch did. And Chris Bosch is back in Miami. Dwayne Wade is back in Miami. And Luau Deng is in Miami. Eastern Conference. So you look at the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat are probably a playoff team. Now, Dwayne Wade, you know, he can't, he, he's not going to get by on 50 games this year. He, he's got to do He's got to play a little more than 50 games. He's not going to have LeBron James there uh, picking up the slack when he's sitting down and rests of those knees. Nah, he's not going to have it. And, you know, I know this guy started some kind of diet or whatnot, so maybe he's going to come down slimmer, come into the season slimmer, and in better shape so his knees can take the pounding. Maybe. But that's a big if when it comes to Dwayne Wade. A big if. A big if. But you look at LeBron James, and, and the shoe dropped, and he made his decision. And as you read through the letter, you're like, wow, I mean, this, this seems like it's bigger than basketball. Wow, you know, and here's the thing. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, we all love to make the comparison. It's fun to do. We do it all the time. It's fun. But here's the thing. You wonder, and looking at this situation, would Michael Jordan have ever, 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 would he have ever went back to Dan Gilbert after that letter? I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have went back to Dan Gilbert after that letter. I don't think he would. I think Michael Jordan would have tried everything he could, everything he could to, to beat on Dan Gilbert as much as he could on the basketball court. That's what he would try to do. So LeBron James, in a lot of ways, became the bigger man. He, he was the bigger man. And he said, you know what? This is bigger than Dan Gilbert. This is bigger than that whole situation. And he talked about the mistakes that he made with the decision show. That was a big mistake. LeBron James became public enemy number one because of, the, uh, because of that show. He was public enemy number one. And I remember him saying, I think he said it 2012 after they beat OKC and they won, he won his first title. He said um, in 2011 he played angry. He played angry. 
And, and that's not who he is. That's not who he is, and he played angry. And LeBron James, you know, he says that's not the way he wants to play. That's when he's not at, he's not at his best when he's playing angry. So he played angry. And so that was all because of the decision that he made to have the decision show. This time around, he obviously learned his lesson. Four years later, he learned his lesson. And that's what you want to see when it comes to people making mistakes in life. You want to see people learn from those lessons. And, and LeBron James learned from that lesson. He learned from that lesson, and he did it quiet this time around. He, he did it low-key this time around. You know, instead of, I mean, you look at, let's look at how he did it last time in 2010. You look at, okay, the decision show. That big show, you know, all the pomp, all the circumstances, circumstances behind all that, all, the, all, the, all that stuff. I mean, it was, a, it was a big event. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. I watched it. I was looking forward to it. I, 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 I based my schedule around that show. Okay, the decision show was coming on at this time. Okay, let me make sure I get everything I need to do done so I can sit down and watch it at that time. So I was, I was caught up in it. I was caught up in it. And so it was, it was exciting to me. It was enjoyable to me. Obviously, it was a mistake. I didn't think it was a good idea. And I just think, obviously, where he went wrong in that whole situation is he decided to go to Miami. Now, if he would have did that show and went to Cleveland, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because Cleveland would have got their guy back, and it wouldn't have really been that big of a deal. But the thing was, he took his talents to South Beach, and he said it on national TV. And it just, it was, the way it was done just didn't seem like it should have been done that way. It just didn't seem right. But he learned his lesson. Wrote a letter, Sports Illustrated ran it. And the bottom line is he's no press conferences, no nothing, just that letter. And the letter was well written. It made LeBron James look very good. His motives, it seems, are bigger than just championships. His, his motives seem bigger than, than getting that six like Michael Jordan. Getting six like Michael Jordan seems bigger than that. It seems bigger than that. It seems bigger than basketball. It's almost like LeBron James wants to put Akron, Ohio on the map. And he's doing all he can to put Akron, Ohio on the map and let people see the greatness and the beauty and, 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 uh, of Akron, Ohio. That seems to be his motive if you just go by the letter, if you believe the letter. That seems to be his motive. It was almost like, as he said in the letter, the four years in Miami were like college to him. It, it was college to LeBron James. He did his four years in Miami. And I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I mean, I was one of these guys who didn't go away for college. I stayed at home and went to college. Went to Temple University, stayed at home. So when I graduated from college, ultimately, you know, I, I went to ESPN and, you know, those Years I had in ESPN were almost like my college. So I can relate to that. Well, LeBron James said that those four years in Miami were akin to his college. I can relate to that. I can relate to you, LeBron, when you say that. But you look at LeBron, and to me, 
It's just reading the letter. The, the letter, he comes through so good. Whoever helped him with that letter, publicist, his team, his agent, Rich Paul and those boys, Maverick Carter, those guys, whoever helped him with that letter, I mean, they did a good job because he comes, he just comes over so, so, I mean, he just comes over so good. He really comes over good on this letter. He really does. He really does. And so you've got to give credit to, to his team for constructing and crafting such a very nice letter, such a very nice letter. And, again, you look at this letter, hey, I'm not promising championships, as he says. I'm not promising championships right away. He says we're not ready right now. I respect that, his honesty. But he's ready, as he says in the letter, to accept the challenge. He's ready to come on home. And we'll see if coming home is the right thing to do for LeBron James. But I look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and obviously they're in a much better situation than they were a few weeks ago. Obviously, the Miami Heat are not the same team. But I will say this, as I said earlier, don't discount the Miami Heat. Don't discount the Miami Heat. And, I, and I'm on board, as, and I am discounting Dwayne Wade on some level, and I'm going to continue to do that until I see otherwise. And it was funny. You remember Charles Barkley said. Charles Barkley said um, near the beginning of last year, watching Dwayne Wade play, he said he's not the same player. And, and a lot of people jumped on Charles for that. A lot of people jumped on Charles for that. But as we saw throughout the course of the season, as we saw in the playoffs and into the finals, mostly the finals, we saw that Charles was onto something. We saw that Charles Barkley was right. We saw that Charles Barkley was right about Dwayne Wade. He is not the same player. Charles Barkley said it. And, again, we had doubts at the time. But the reality is Charles was right. Dwayne Wade was not the same player. And I'll say this, and, and this is my belief here. This is my belief. In my opinion, you look at this whole situation, you wonder if Dwayne Wade was still that guy, if Dwayne Wade was still a big-time player and performed well in the NBA Finals and the Miami Heat, you wonder if the Miami, if the Miami Heat had won the NBA Finals, if we would be having this type of conversation. You wonder. The letter tells you that you get the sense that maybe it's going to happen regardless. But it's kind of difficult. It's kind of hard, you would think, for the best player on the team to walk away from a three-peat situation. You would think that they would try to defend their title. And you remember Michael Jordan, he never, really, he never defended his three-peats. He never defended his three-peats. He got the three-peat against the Phoenix Suns when they beat the Phoenix Suns in uh, 93. He goes off and retires, goes to play baseball. And then three, uh, another three-peat, and guess what he does? He retires. And then he comes back, goes to the Washington Wizards, and we kind of know the rest of the history. But Michael Jordan never defended his three-peat. But you would think LeBron James – and, you know, maybe one of the reasons Mike Jordan never really defended, uh, defended his three-peats because he retired. I mean, LeBron James obviously was not retiring. So you would think if the Miami Heat had won this year, it would be difficult for LeBron James to walk away 
from that situation. It would be difficult for LeBron James not to defend his three-peat. I, I think it would be difficult for him to do. And I don't think he would have done it. I don't, and I don't think, and I think, you know, I think if anybody wants to, to blame anybody, if you will, for, for LeBron's decision to go back to Cleveland, and I don't know if you could blame anybody per se, but if you were going to throw blame around, obviously you would probably look in the direction of number three, Dwayne Wade. That's the direction you probably would look in. You would look at D. Wade and you would say, you know what, D. Wade, you are the reason that LeBron James is leaving. Your, 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 your ability is not the same. Your health is not the same. Your needs are not the same. And because of all those things, because of your health, because of your needs, because uh, of, of just your play, LeBron James is leaving. And because he doesn't really believe that you can be the same player that you once were, he's gone. I mean, you look at 2011 and 2012, uh, Dwayne Wade was, was big. He was at his height. He was in his prime, in his prime. But now Dwayne Wade, we'll see what he can be. We'll see. It should be interesting. But I, I think you got to point at Dwayne Wade for the reason that LeBron James really, truly made the decision to go back to Cleveland. I know he can, he can cite all these other things about wanting to grow his family up in, in Akron and things of that nature. But it became apparent. It became obvious to anybody that watched the NBA Finals that LeBron James was a one-man gang, and there's no way he could stick around in that particular situation and be successful. There's no way he can stick around in that particular situation and still win titles. Not possible. Not possible. I don't think it was, po- I don't think it was possible for, for Pat Riley, and then we know Pat Riley, the greatness of Pat Riley and how convincing he can be, but there was no way he was going to be able to put, a, put a, the necessary pieces around, the Miami, around LeBron James for them to be successful. Your number two guy, your Robin, is not the same guy. And that's the bottom line when it comes to that. Carmelo Anthony, he made the decision. Short, I mean, the day after, next day, he decided that he was going to New York and staying with the, the New York Knicks. And it's not really surprising because at the end of the day, you saw what that was out there. There was no way Melo was going to walk away from the type of money that he could get from the New York Knicks. I mean, the Chicago Bulls, and you can argue. Here's the thing. Big-time argument you can, you can make about Carmelo Anthony. Is he truly about winning? Because if he truly was about winning basketball, if he truly was uh, all about getting titles and winning, getting championships and, and being on a contending team, I think the obvious choice would have been the Chicago Bulls. It would have been the Chicago Bulls because of what they could do and what they had. I mean, the Chicago Bulls, one of their issues was their inability to score the basketball. They, did, they can defend, but they couldn't score the basketball. And you can't score the basketball. Yes, defense is good. Defense wins championships, but you've got to put the ball in the basket at the end of the day. And the Chicago Bulls couldn't consistently do that. So they needed a guy like Melo, a professional scorer. Melo's a professional scorer. He's a, you know, he can come in, he's a professional scorer. He's big time. And so you needed that if you were Chicago. Seemed to be the perfect fit. But obviously, money talks. Money talks. And, you know, there was, the, there was no way Melo was going to walk away from 50 to $60 million. There's just no way you can recoup that. I mean, you could recoup it if you, you're a big-time, you get a bunch of big-time endorsement deals. 
But, I mean, that's some difficult money to replace. You can't replace that kind of money. It's difficult. And you, you couple that with the fact that his family likes New York, his wife loves New York. He says his kids, his kid, I should say, loves New York. So it, it seemed like it was the perfect situation for him to stick in New York. Everything in his life, all the key people in his life love New York. And there's an old saying out there, happy wife, happy life. And so Lala was happy in New York City, and a happy wife equals a happy life. You can say the same thing about LeBron James. There was reports that his wife, his agent, everybody wanted him to come home, but his wife wanted him to go back to Akron. Happy wife, happy life. And you remember, his wife didn't immediately go down to South Beach. She didn't immediately go down to South Beach, and at the time she was his fiancée, but she didn't immediately go down to Miami. She didn't. But at the end of the day, happy wife equals a happy life, and Melo's wife is happy, and LeBron's wife is happy. But let's look at it on the basketball court from Melo's perspective. I mean, you look at the New York Knicks, and I've said this over over and over again. Phil Jackson, great coach, 11 championships. Zen master, maybe the greatest coach of all time. Probably the greatest coach of all time. He's never been an executive. Never have, never has had this title. Never has had the responsibility of being an executive. Derek Fisher won a lot of rings with the Lakers. Had a great career with the Los Angeles Lakers. Did a lot of great things on and off the court with the Players Association and just on the court with his play and his big shots. How about that big shot against the Spurs? Remember that? That 2004. They didn't win that year, but it was a big shot. But he's had plenty, plenty of big shots throughout his career. And so he's a winner. You look at Derek Fisher, you see winner, consummate professional. But I also see Derek Fisher, and I see a guy who's never been a head coach in this league. So this is a new role for him. So you, you got two guys doing things that they've nev- they never done before, that they never done before, never done it before. They're newbies. They're newbies. And so... The Knicks situation now, Melo's coming back to two guys who's never done it before. He's coming back to a coach and a, an executive who's never done it before. Can it work? Sure. Derek Fisher can come out and be a big-time coach, and maybe Phil Jackson will come, turn out to be a big-time executive. But the bottom line is this. To me, I look at the Knicks situation, they're not championship caliber this year. They're not. Even in the Eastern Conference, they're not championship caliber. And you look at the team, even in the Eastern Conference, they didn't make the playoffs. The Eastern Conference was bad. We all know it was bad. They didn't even make the playoffs. So with that being said, you look at the New York Knicks, and it's really not much different. I mean, Jose Calderon is coming. But again, is, is, is he that much of an upgrade over a healthy, motivated Raymond Felton? No, and granted, Ray, Raymond Felton wasn't motivated last season. And you look at the Knicks. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks made the playoffs last year. 
keep this in mind, and they were six games under 500. So the Knicks couldn't even beat out a team that was six games under 500 to make the playoffs. So there's obviously a lot of questions when you look at this Knicks team. There, there truly are some questions. There are some questions. And Melo believes in this Knicks organization. Melo believes that Phil Jackson can turn things around in New York City. He has that belief. I look at this team. You got Stoudemire coming back, Amari Stoudemire, but we know what he's been. He was one of those guys back in 2010. Remember that, 2010? He was a, the, the, the big guy that the New York Knicks got during that big 2010 year. You remember that? Stoudemire. But, again, we all know what Amari Stoudemire has been over these years. He's been a guy who's had a hard time staying healthy. Tim Hardaway Jr., you got to be, I mean, he's a guy who seems to be on the rise. Andrea Bargnani was hurt throughout the course of last season, really didn't contribute much to the New York Knicks. J.R. Smith, like I said earlier, he was big. And him not playing to what he did last year, I mean, what he did two years ago was big. I mean, two years ago, he was big time. He was, he was a big reason why the Knicks won 54 games two seasons ago. Well, you got to hope that J.R. Smith is back to his old ways. You're going to need J.R. Smith back to his old ways. Shumpert, you're going to need more out of him. So I look at this Knicks situation, and I know they're going to have uh, some cap space next year, and maybe they'll be able to go after Rondo, who's out there. Maybe they'll be able to be able to go after Kevin Love, but we'll see where Kevin Love may go. He might not even, he might not even be on the market. He might not be a free agent by that time. He could go to Cleveland and sign and, and re-up and stay with the Cavaliers. So we don't know. But Rondo's out could be out there. Lamarcus Aldridge could be out there. Mark Casal will be out there. I mean, so there are some names, but there's no telling that you'll get them. There's no telling that you'll get those guys. There's no guarantee you'll get those guys. Not at all. 2010, LeBron James was out there. D-Way was out there. Chris Bosh was out there. There was guys out there. And you got Amari Stoudemire. You got Amari Stoudemire. That's who you got. So there really is no guarantee. So I, I look at the situation with Melo and his decision to sign with the New York Knicks. I don't think it was a good idea if he is about winning championships. And don't get me wrong, maybe Phil Jackson turned out to be great and Derek Fitch will turn out to be great and this will be great and they'll get all the they'll get those free agents, they'll get a Marcus All. They'll bring it to him. Maybe they'll draft well. And maybe the Knicks will turn, you know, their situation will turn around. Maybe maybe, 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 maybe. But there are a lot of doubts. A lot of doubts. And Melo's decided that he believes in Phil. He's going to believe in Phil. He's going to follow Phil with the hope that Phil can deliver or help deliver a championship. We'll see. We'll see. But if I'm Melo, I don't know if I would have uh, done this. But again, at the same time, I'm thinking. I'm just thinking purely basketball, but if I'm thinking financial, I think this is really the only way to go. If you're thinking financial, you got to think next. If you're thinking otherwise, 
you've got to think the Chicago Bulls. You really do. If you think of titles, you've got to think Chicago Bulls. You really do. But I get why Melo did what he did. And, again, you can't walk away from that type of money. You can, but many will call you a fool for walking away from that type of money. That's a lot of money to walk away from. It really is. Many wouldn't walk away. Uh, a lot of you wouldn't walk away from something like that. And if you did, you'd be stupid. A lot of you, and we talk about, oh, this guy should take a pay cut. This guy should do this. This guy should do that. Well, most of you out here wouldn't do it. So why would you expect these guys to do it? I wouldn't expect these guys to do it. If they do it, great. But if they don't, great again. I mean, that's the really way I look at it. I don't blame these guys for trying to get as much money as possible. I don't blame them at all. As a matter of fact, I probably would do the same. And you could talk about, okay, well, this thing is about winning and winning championships and things of that nature. Sure, it is. Sure, you 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 go out there to win and, and be successful, but you also go out there to get paid. And so you go to situations to get paid. And you can look at it. Here's, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Okay, if you're – let's just look at Melo, for example. Okay, you, you go to the New York Knicks. You are in New York right now. And let's just say your team has a similar season than they had a year ago. Let, let's just say 37, 38 games they win. Obviously, you're, when you go to the office, which is the job, which is the basketball court, when you go to the office day in and day out, you're probably not too happy to be there. You, you're probably upset to be there. You're, you may not be liking your job, but guess what? You're still making the money. You still got a hundred and twenty plus million dollar contract. The the money is still good. So there's two ways to look at it. You can say, Well, I hate my job and a lot of people out here hate their jobs. They hate their jobs. They hate going to their jobs day in and day out. But guess what? The lights are on. Guess what? The refrigerator is stopped. Guess what? The mortgage is paid. So all these good things, guess what? You're you're driving your car, you're driving around in a nice car. All these things are still happening for you, even though you hate your job. So you, if you're mellow, maybe, okay, let me just take 75, 65 million. Uh, let me take 75 million from the Bulls, right, with the notion that my job, going to my job would be fun. Going to my job would be exciting. Going to my job would be enjoyable. But guess what, mellow? You left $50 million on the table. Could you do that? Could, could you go to your family each and every night and say, I love my job, but I did still leave $50 million on the table. I love my job, but I know you guys hate this city. I know you guys want to be in New York. You know, could, could you do that? You probably can. So Melo tried to get the best of both worlds. And the best of both worlds, obviously, would be to stay in New York, get the money, and also hope, pray, that you somehow, some way, that Phil somehow, some way, brings in the necessary pieces, necessary parts for your team to be successful. That's the hope if you're Carmelo Anthony. That's all you can hope for. You got paid. You got the money. You got everything that you wanted. But will you get the rings? And I have my doubts. I have my doubts. And you also have to remember, even though, Maybe Melo turns into this generation's Patrick Ewing, and, and LeBron James will be this generation's Michael Jordan. 
LeBron James was staying away, standing away of people in the Eastern Conference, the Derrick Roses of the world, the Carmelo Anthony's of the world. He'll stand in their way at this point, and he'll stop them from getting rings. It was funny. I, I remember a few years back, you know, Melo, when he, when he ultimately wanted to come east and come to the New York Knicks when he was with the Nuggets. My thought at the time was maybe he would be better suited to stay in the Eastern, Western Conference, I should say, because of, of the Denver Nuggets and, and how successful they were. They were having some success. They got to the, got to the Western Conference Finals. Against the Los Angeles Lakers, ultimately they would lose. But now, now you look at it, probably was a good move to head east and get out of that Western Conference. Now that Western Conference is a beast. That Western Conference is a beast. I mean, you look at the Western Conference, you pretty much need to win 50 games to get to the playoffs. You need to win 50. You compare that to the East, where you only needed 38, 39 victories to get to the playoffs. So it, it's, it's a beast out West. So at least he didn't do the dumb thing and go to, to the Los Angeles Lakers. Because as bad as this Knicks situation may be, the Lakers situation is worse. It's worse. Could you imagine going to Los Angeles and having and to team with a Kobe Bryant, a Kobe Bryant that you don't know if he'll ever be the same. You don't know if Kobe Bryant will ever be the same. You don't know. So with, you, you look at that, you look at the Western Conference, I don't think it would have been a good idea, wise idea, for Carmelo Anthony to, to go to the Lakers. They offered him a max deal, and they could have gave more money to Chicago. But why would you go? Why, why would you go to the Lakers in the Western Conference, the big-time Western Conference, the big Western Conference? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? So it was a wise move on his part, a wise move to, to at least stay out east. If you weren't going to go to, to, to Chicago, don't make the mistake of going to Los Angeles and, and pretty much being in the same situation you are with the Knicks because of the uncertainty of Kobe Bryant. We don't know what Kobe Bryant will ever be. And he's old. And he may not be the same player. So you, you got father time, you also have injuries. Those are two diff- difficult things to overcome for a player. So I think Melo made the right decision. If he wasn't going to go to the Bulls, he definitely made the right decision by staying east and sticking with the New York Knicks. We'll see how it works out. Let's go to the Lakers right now. The Los Angeles Lakers, this is a team, first of all, they don't even have a coach. You know, they don't even have a coach. So to me, it would be difficult to sell the Lakers. To, to, it would be difficult as a team to sell yourself to these players, to these free agents. You don't even have a coach. You don't have a coach as of right now. So you don't even know what system you're going to be running. You don't even know what system, and you don't even know if that system is going to be conducive to what you do as a player. So, in my mind, the Lakers situation is a mess. It's an absolute mess right now. You don't have a coach. You have Kobe Bryant, who's who pretty much missed last season. You have what do you have? Swaggy P, Nick Young resigned. Jordan Hill resigned. 
But what do you have in L.A.? Steve Nash, who is pretty much a shell of himself, can't stay healthy. What do you have in in La La Land? What do you have? You have nothing. The Lakers are a franchise at this point in disarray. It's inexcusable. You would think at this point in time, and I know that they're, they're interviewing Byron, Byron Scott and interviewing him for the third time, I believe. So, I, I mean, when are you going to decide what kind of coach you want? When are you going to decide on your coach? I mean, it's, it's been a long time now. When are you going to make your decision, Lakers, to get a coach? And, you know, maybe the Lakers are waiting for 2015, where maybe they can make a run at Kevin Love. But here's the thing, they're still, they're still the Lakers. They're still the Lakers. So, you know, they can still sell that. It's Los Angeles. They can still sell that. They're still the Lakers. Let's be clear about that. They are still the Lakers. But we don't know what the Lakers are going to be. They're a mess. They're an absolute mess. Kobe Bryant, and a lot of people are talking about that contract that he signed. That two-year deal, 48 mil, and how if he would have took less, maybe the Lakers would have been in position to sign two max guys. Maybe they would have been in that position to, to, to be able to make a run and be able to put a couple guys together to make that situation a good situation for a free agent. Maybe they could have did it. But the Lakers, no Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol is gone. He's in Chicago. So maybe your second best player in Pau Gasol is gone. Kobe, your best player, well, what is he going to be? We don't know what he's going to be. We don't, we don't know what Kobe's going to be. I don't know what Kobe's going to be at this point in time. And anybody that says they know, they don't know. I guess. And again, and again we don't want to bet against the Black Mamba. Nobody wants to bet against the Black Mamba, but the Black Mamba is not superhuman. The Black Mamba is not the Black Mamba is not superhuman. So the reality is, we don't know what Kobe Bryant's going to be, and we can speculate all we want. We can speculate all we want, all we want, but there's a lot of minutes on those legs. A lot of minutes on those legs. And those legs, as we've seen over the past, as we've seen in the past season, are not the same. It's a 35-year-old man. But he's 35, but he's been in this league 18 years. So he's an old 35. He's an old 35. And 35 is a young when it comes to playing professional basketball. But he's an old 35 as far as I'm concerned. So you look at Kobe, you look at his situation, and you have questions. You have questions. And we'll see what Kobe Bryant can and will be. I have my doubts. I have my doubts when it comes to Kobe Bryant. I have my doubts on whether or not this guy can come back and be the same guy. I have my doubts. I have them. 
and I think a lot of people do. You'd be foolish not to have similar doubts when it comes to Kobe Bryant. Absolutely foolish. Absolutely foolish. I have my doubts. And we'll see how the situation works out for Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers. Because I have my doubts when it comes to Kobe Bryant. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything when the playoffs come. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can kept married women. We've seen you, you, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We've seen what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around, too. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thank- very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. We're going to bring in a caller. Mike, you're on go for it. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Okay, no problem. I'm enjoying the conversation, enjoying the topic. Got a wonderful topic going on here this evening, uh, talking about the free agency and, you know, just enlightening the people on what's going on out there. For sure. You got a question? Uh, Yeah. um, You know, I, you know, with all this big moves, what do you think the impact of the league uh, how did that, that LeBron move impact the league? Well, I, I look at it this way, especially in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, there, it, it shifts the balance of power. I mean, LeBron going to Cleveland, there's no guarantee that Cleveland will get to the NBA Finals. They're much better, but they're a very young basketball team. Obviously, there's no more big three in Miami. So the Heat are not the same team they were with LeBron James. You look at the Indiana Pacers, Lance Stevenson, he's off to the Hornets. So the, the Pacers are a different basketball team. So you look at the top teams in the East. You look at the Pacers. You look at the Miami Heat. Those teams are, are, are not the same team. So obviously now with LeBron James going to Cleveland, it changes things. And it shifts the balance of power out East, Chicago Bulls. Obviously with Derrick Rose coming back, you've got to talk about them in the East and get Paul, Paul Gasol signed in there. I mean, you've got to look at the, the Washington Wizards, a team that – Played well in the playoffs, a team that's young, very good backcourt. And so that's a team you have to look out for. So even the Charlotte Hornets, when they signed Lance Stevenson, obviously you've got to talk about the Hornets. Al Jefferson, Lance Stevenson, Kemba Walker. So to me, with LeBron James going from Miami to Cleveland, the Eastern Conference becomes very, very wide open. So it's great. I think it's great for basketball. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, I, I was thinking, you know, right along the same lines, and uh, appreciate your thought. Go ahead, continue on with your show. You're doing a great show, um, and I uh, hope to catch up with you some, sometime soon. For sure. Thanks for calling. All right, thank you. And so, like I said, I mean, 
the Eastern Conference becomes totally wide open. And it's exciting, man. And it really is exciting to see the balance of power. It's exciting to say, okay, because you look at last year, let's be honest. A lot of people, okay, Indiana Pacers, Indiana Pacers, Indiana Pacers were the team to challenge the Miami Heat. But did you really think the end? Well, let me say this. You look at the first part of the season, you were saying, okay, the Indiana Pacers, they'll probably get home court. You're saying the Indiana Pacers probably will beat the Miami Heat. Or not probably beat, well, could beat the Miami Heat. Could give the Miami Heat a series. And so when I looked at that, Coming into the season and throughout the course or early in the season, you thought that was the case. But the reality is you still had the favor of Miami Heat. You still had the favor of Heat. And so I look at it now. Okay, Cleveland, they're a better team, obviously, with LeBron James. They're a championship caliber team with LeBron James, but there's no guarantee. Chicago is better. They're, they're better with Gasol. They're, they're, Derrick Rose is coming back. He is. Can he stay healthy? But he's back. You still have to look at the Pacers, even though they lost Lance Stevenson. That's going to be a big – can it replace what Lance Stevenson brought to the table? You could talk about some of the blowing in the ears and the uh, messing with LeBron James, things of that nature, and all those things. But at the end of the day, the guy was big time. And you could talk – you look at the series against the Miami Heat. The one guy, to me, that was out there competing, wasn't scared of the Miami Heat, and was doing whatever he could to get his team to win was Lance Stevenson. He wasn't afraid of the stage. He wasn't afraid of the moment. He wasn't. He was a guy, and you look and say, you can criticize him for what he did with LeBron James and things of that nature, but here's what I'll tell you. When, if I'm in a street fight, me and another guy, and that guy is bigger than me, that guy is a better fighter than me, I got to do things that will allow me to win that fight. I got to do things to protect myself within that fight. And, here's, and I compare that to Lance Stevenson and LeBron James. Lance Stevenson does not have the talent of LeBron James, doesn't have that talent. Not as talented as LeBron James. He's not. So he had to do what he had to do in order for him and his team, hopefully, to try to be successful. You can question his antics. Sure. You could say maybe he went a little too far, maybe. But guess what? He did what he could do to try to get into the head of LeBron James. Doesn't mean he got there, but he tried. Lance Stevenson is not as talented as LeBron James. He's not. He never will be. So he has to do what he has to do in order for him to be successful. He's got to do it. So I don't knock him for what he did there. I don't. And you could talk about, okay, well, reports were that he was the guy that Roy Hibbert was talking about in terms of being selfish. Roy Hibbert said during the course of the season that we have a bunch of selfish dudes in this locker room. Well, guess what? The whole Indiana Pacers locker room seemed to be very dysfunctional. Everybody in that organization, I mean, that locker room was dysfunctional. Maybe it was Lance, maybe it wasn't. But that was a very dysfunctional locker room. Maybe he contributed to it, maybe he didn't. But the bottom line is when he went out on that basketball court, he balled. He got it done. He was their second-best player. He was the second-best player on that team. And the Pacers, just amazing what happened to them. I mean, throughout the course of the season, you know, you looked at the Indiana Pacers and you look at that team, and it was funny. 
Paul George, first couple months of the season, was an MVP candidate. You were talking about Paul George is possibly winning the MVP. He fell off. Roy Hibbert, who was an all-star, he fell off. I mean, he fell off big time. Roy Hibbert, uh, I mean, he went from the top of the roller coaster all the way down. I mean, he was awful against the Atlanta Hawks. He had some awful playoff moments, some awful playoff moments. And he's making big-time money. So Lance Stevenson was the second-best player for the Indiana Pacers. And I know luxury tax considerations. I know all that when it comes to re-signing Lance Stevenson, but you could offer them more. I mean, Jody Meeks got six mil. Channing Fry got eight mil. And Lance Stevenson ended up taking, what, $9 million a year. Pretty much ended up taking $9 million a year. Three years, $27 million. If I'm Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets, I'm excited about that deal. You know why? Lance Stevenson still has to prove himself. He still has to prove himself so he can get that next deal. He still has to prove himself. So not only do you have that, not only do you have a guy who's young, 23 years old, but you still have a guy who really has to still prove himself and still is in the market for another big contract. So in order for Lance Stevenson to get that big contract, in order for him to shake the reputation that he may have gotten because of these playoffs, because of blowing in the air LeBron James and things of that nature, because of all that, because of all that, you know what, Lance Stevenson still has some things to prove. So now you're the Charlotte Hornets, you get a 23-year-old 23-year-old guard and Lance Stevenson, a guy who still has some things to prove, you bring him in to your team, he's going to still have to play hard. It's not about, you know, this is not a max deal. This is not cashing out. No. He still has a lot to prove in order for him to get that next big contract. He's going to be young enough where that next contract could be a biggie. So guess what? In order for that big contract to happen, teams are going to have to be able to trust you. Guess what? In order for teams to be able to trust you, you're going to have to go out there and perform. You're going to still have to go out there and put up the type of numbers you put up this past season with the triple-doubles, with the 13 points a game, with the seven rebounds and the the four or five assists. You're going to have to continue to do that if you want to get paid moving forward, if you want to get that bigger contract. The Pacers missed that. I mean, they lose a key contributor. They lose a key contributor. And I thought, okay, the Pacers Pacers and Lance Stevenson would find a way to make this thing work. Maybe the Pacers really didn't want to make it work. Maybe they know something that we don't. Maybe. But Larry Bird... He championed the cause of Lance Stevenson. He loved Lance Stevenson. Almost a father figure, if you will, to Lance Stevenson. He loved him. So you thought, with that being the case, that they would find a way to work this thing out. Didn't happen. And now Lance Stevenson is with the Charlotte Hornets. Now Lance Stevenson is teaming with Kimball Walker and Al Jefferson in Charlotte. Now the Charlotte Hornets, our team is probably going to make the playoffs again this year. Next year, I should say. So, not only does he, I mean, and that, that's another thing that just makes the Eastern Conference so wide open. All these guys now going to various 
in different places, it opens up the Eastern Conference. And that's great for basketball. Parity. One of the reasons we love the NFL, parity. Parity. Every team, you, you, you know, you, you, I'm not going to say every team has a chance to win, but the best team doesn't always win the NFL. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. And I can go down a list of the, all the teams that, who weren't better. I mean, the Ravens two seasons ago, they weren't the best team. They were not the best team. But they made the plays necessary when they had to make the plays. I mean, you look at the situation with the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos outplayed them big time in that game. Big time. The Denver Broncos were the better football team. I thought the 49ers were the better football team. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. In a one-game situation, anything is possible. Anything can happen. And anything did happen, and anything was possible. And we saw the Baltimore Ravens, even though they weren't the better team, win the Super Bowl. Even before that, the New York Giants, when they beat the Baltimore Ravens. Not the Baltimore Ravens, when they beat uh, the Patriots. The New York Giants, I don't think, were the best team that year. They weren't the best team. Heck, I mean, they beat the Green Bay Packers. I don't think the Green Bay – I thought the Green Bay Packers were the best team in the NFC. But you look at it, the Green Bay Packers had their worst performance at the worst time. They were rusty. Joe Philbin's kid died. They had all that to deal with. They were just a flat football team. And it showed. The Giants took advantage of it. And ultimately, the Giants made their way to the Super Bowl. So, you look at it, the best team doesn't always win, especially in football, because parity reigns. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean it. anything when the playoffs come. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's holy. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. Okay. <laughs> hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Second hour of Go For It started right now. And it's our respect to be joined by NBA legend Isaiah Thomas. Also scheduled to be joined by rapper Omarati. 
And so we're, we're going to uh, have those guys in this second hour. So it should be exciting. And we're going to get the hour started with Armorati. Let's bring him in now, rapper Armorati. Armorati, how are you, man? Good. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Man, you got a new song out, High As Me, featuring Crazy Bone, featuring Ray J, and featuring your boy. Tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just got a track out uh, as a producer. Uh, I produced it. Uh, uh, we got your boy on there, Crazy Bone, and uh, Ray J. It's my new single off of my album, uh, God's Gift. Uh, I'll be releasing it about, I think, six months, um, or maybe less. I don't know. But, yeah, it's my new single. Go check it out. It's on, uh, uh, you can uh, just Google on your body. My video will pop out. You can see it. What's the concept behind the song? The concept is uh, that the song is talking about, like, being high. But the concept is actually, like, you know, more, it talks about more, uh, like, being at a level that you can reach up to. You know what I mean? Okay. Not only being high, like, you know, as in high, more like literal way, too. Okay. All right. So uh, let me ask you this now. How was it working with guys like Ray J, guys like Crazy Bones? I mean, Crazy Bone, is, he's a legend. Yeah, man. Uh, it, was, it was great working with Crazy. I mean, uh, I got into the studio with him, you know, uh, and he, I played him a few beats, and he liked that one beat. And his workflow is crazy, man. There's a reason he's a legend because the way he, 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 you know, he does his ad libs and the way he harmonizes. I mean, he's a perfectionist. That's for sure. For, for sure. I mean, and how about Ray J? I mean, he's a guy. Yeah, uh, Ray J is my boy too. You know, all of them. I mean, I grew up listening to their music. Uh, you know, Ray J just brought brought it to the table too. You know, he has. You know, he's a great singer. I mean, all of them, before I knew them, I mean, I knew, I wouldn't, I didn't know how much work it went into the, uh, you know, into the work. They got a lot of good work ethics. That's why they're so successful, I think. We're talking to rapper Amirati, and man, you have an interesting backstory. You grew up and you lived in Dubai until the age of 11. How was life in Dubai? Yeah, Dubai was cool, man. I mean, I've been in Dubai before anyone knew what Dubai is, you know. Uh, it was great. I mean, living in Dubai, I experienced a lot of cultures and different backgrounds of music. Uh, I think, um, I mean, I listened to everything from uh, ethnic music to American radio to European music. So there was a lot of influences when I was growing up. So let me ask you this. You know, when you're out in Dubai, are you listening to a lot of American uh, rappers? And if so, who are you listening to in Dubai? Well, I grew up in the late 80s and 90s when I was in Dubai, and I was listening to everything. I mean, I was listening to Casey Kasem's Top 100, then I would, like, switch okay. to TV, and I would see, like, you know, uh, Arabic music, for example, you know, or okay. Indian Bollywood music. So, I mean, I like everything. I just loved music since I was growing up, and I didn't realize how much passion I had for it because, when I grew up, I realized how much passion I had because in Dubai there wasn't much to do, you know, as a young kid. So I was attracted to music, you know. I really liked Michael Jackson. I used to buy his tapes and listen to his stuff, okay. you know. 
And yeah, just a lot of uh, rappers like, you know, um, Ron DMC, and I, I used to follow them all, all the time. Now, look, and thinking about that, what would it be like to work with? I mean, obviously, Run DMC has broken up, but what would it be like to work with with Red Run? Work with uh, uh, DMC or Run DMC? Would that be like a, a dream of yours? Yeah, definitely, man. Those are hip hop legends, you know. Um, you know, I take hip hop very seriously um, because uh, when I was growing up, it helped me. It was it was a type of music that kind of helped me get through life. And okay. I really, you know, I really take my what I do in hip hop per, like personally because I, you know, and I really appreciate all the legends that started off hip hop, and I definitely would dream it would be my dream to work with someone like them, you know, like Run DMC and you know, some of them older cats. We're talking to rapper Amarati, and uh, let me ask you. Obviously, you came over to Dubai at the age of 11. How was the adjustment going from Dubai to California? It was hard. I mean, being a first-generation immigrant, it's always tough going to a new place. Uh, it was pretty hard. Like I said, I used hip-hop. Hip-hop helped me to go through that transition, you know, because okay. going through high school was a little tough for me. And, you know, I kind of, music was something that kind of, you know, drew me in, and I would look at it more like a therapy, you know what I mean? So. Okay. My love, like, I started making beats when I was in high school because, uh, you know, I was listening to hip-hop, you know, some of the music I grew up with were more, more like, you know, um, you know, West Coast music, Dr. Dre and, you know, Snoop, some of the stuff that B.E. had back in the day. So all, all those right. things, like, influenced me a lot, you know, when I was growing up. We're talking to rapper Armorati, and you, like you said, you have an album coming out, God's Gift. What can fans expect from God's gift? God's gift is uh, it's going to be mostly what I have to offer, uh, you know, as a musician, basically, you know. Uh, this first track, uh, you know, and I have a lot of different tracks, a lot, a lot of the stuff that influenced me as a musician you're going to hear in this album, you know. Uh, so it's a mostly a mix of whatever that I have to bring to the table. I'm going to work with a lot of upcoming artists, some known artists, and, you know, it's just going to be, I think my other tracks are even going to be better than my first single. So you, when when is this going to drop? When are you expected to drop? I'm expecting it to drop in about, hopefully in about three, four months, but maybe okay. uh, September, October. But, you know, uh, it depends how fast I get it done, you know. I, I'm kind of a perfectionist. Uh, I like everything to be, you know, right. So hopefully I'll get it done by in, in a couple of months so we can release it. So a couple of months we expect to, to, to get God's gift from Amorati. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. So where can fans find information about all the things going on with your music and with your upcoming album? Uh, you can go to my website. Uh, it's amirattti.com. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, uh, Amirati dot music. That's A M I R A T T I dot music. Also on Facebook, A M I R A T T I dot music. Uh, those are the mostly social media places where people can follow me. All right, so fans, make sure you support this man on his journey. He, he's making some good music here, so make sure you support him. Go to his website, Amirati dot com, and also 
Hit him up on Twitter at Armorati Music. So make sure you support all the great things going on with Armorati. Armorati, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing. Thanks for having me, luck With everything. Let's yes. do it again. Definitely, man. Good looking out. Rapper Armorati, make sure you support all the great things going on with Armorati. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter at Armorati Music. And again, support all the great things going on with Armorati. All-Star game. MLB All-Star game came, went, gone. And, you know, the whole situation with Derek Jeter, obviously this was Derek Jeter's swan song. This was all about Derek Jeter, the Yankee legend retiring after this season. And, you know, the, the, I guess a little controversy you had Adam Wainwright basically saying at one point that he pretty much threw up a, a ball, a gopher ball, if you will, for Derek Jeter to hit. And Derek Jeter ultimately did hit it, and <laughs> he had some success. And, and so, basically, that he grooved the pitch. He basically grooved the pitch to Derek Jeter. He had to, I mean, he denies it. He says it didn't happen that way. But, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't really matter. It's an exhibition game. And I know, you know, the whole situation with the All-Star game and now. I know it does matter. I know it does count in terms of who gets home field advantage in the, in, in the World Series. But as far as I'm concerned, let it be what it really is, an exhibition game. And I really think, I mean, let's be honest, before – they decided to tie the home field advantage in the World Series to the All-Star game before it just alternated. It, I mean, if you really want to alleviate everything, just say the best team with the best record uh, between the two teams, just like they do in the NBA, well, uh, just like they do in hockey, the team with the best record gets home field advantage. I mean, let's let's not turn an exhibition game into a game that matters. And and. You know, it, I don't think it obviously it doesn't really add any intrigue to the to the MLB All Star Game. And I said this before, and I'll say it again: All Star Games and sports are awful anyway. I mean, the Pro Bowl, unwatchable. NHL Hockey All Star Game, unwatchable. Baseball All Star Game, unwatchable. The only sport whose All Star Game to me is watchable, and I'm not saying it's even all that great, is the MA All Star Game. That's the only sport, only All-Star game that I believe is watchable. All the rest of the All-Star games are, are pretty much unwatchable. Pretty much unwatchable. I mean, they're unwatchable. They are what they are. And let's not make it more than it is. If you group the pitch of Derek Jeter, who cares? So what? You know what I mean? Derek Jeter is, is the, one of the greatest shortstops ever played this game. One of the greatest shortstops ever played this game. This is his last time here. You could argue that Derek Jeter doesn't belong in the All-Star game. And sure, he probably doesn't. But we've seen years and years of, of people who don't belong in All-Star games who are there. And it's all a ceremonial thing. It's pretty much a ceremonial thing. And so that whole situation with Wayne Wright, if he grooved the pitch, who cares? If he didn't groove the pitch, who cares? It's just an ex- exhibition game. It doesn't matter. It's not real, if you will. And, again, again, I I know that home field advantage means something when it comes to it, but it really is not that big of a deal. And so we can make a big deal out of it if we want, but it is the summertime, and it's not really much going on in the world of sports. So it's just something to talk about, really. But the the All-Star game, I mean, I can't. I can't watch the baseball All-Star game. It's really, 
just unwatchable for me. It's a bad product. It's just a bad product. Home Run Derby, unwatchable for me, bad product. I can't watch the Home Run Derby. It's not enjoyable. There's, there's nothing enjoyable about the Home Run Derby. There's nothing exciting about the Home Run Derby. It's really not. I mean, you can argue, I mean, the NBA has the slam dunk contest, three-point contest, so on and so forth. But to me, that's much more watchable than the Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby is unwatchable. It really is. The MLB All-Star Game is unwatchable. only thing that people were truly watching for was Derek Jeter. And it was funny. You had a situation with Derek Jeter, and this is Derek Jeter's final All-Star Game. And then you have Mike Trout. And, and Mike Trout and, you know, turning into a star, a stud in, this, uh, in baseball. This guy is on, probably, at this point, if you were going to give out midseason MVP awards, you probably would give it to Mike Trout because this guy's a stud. But he ended up being the MVP of the All-Star game. He's a stud. He's going to be a stud. only 22 years old. And he, he's just putting up big-time numbers and just playing some big-time baseball right now. Mike Trout is a stud. He's a star. He's definitely a star. But you just look around baseball and just as you as we're at the break, and, and this is always the time, especially in the summertime, like I said, there's not much going on. Not much going on. But you look at uh, Nelson Cruz and the year he's having coming off that 50-game suspension, coming off the PED suspension. You talk about the year he's having and the things, the plays that he's making, the home runs that he's hitting. I mean, this guy is on pace uh, to win the MVP. I mean, he's definitely an MVP candidate. And right now the Baltimore Warriors are playing some pretty good baseball. So, and, and a lot of people made a big deal about Nelson Cruz and whether or not he shouldn't even be at the All-Star game. And, you know, it is what it is. He had his suspension. He went through his suspension. It's over. Now it's time for him to move on. Of course, there's always going to be suspicions when it comes to Nelson Cruz. But it is that, just that. I mean, he, he did what he had to do in terms of going through his suspension and, and, and dealing with his suspension, and now he's done, and now he's doing what he's got to do, and he's playing some big-time baseball, big-time baseball. Jose Abreu for the White Sox is playing some big-time baseball too, big time. And he's probably on his way. I mean, 29 homers at the break. A rookie, 29 homers. 29 homers at the break. He's doing big time, big time. And this is the second most since Mark McGuire back in 1987. So, obviously, he's putting up some serious numbers. Serious numbers. But, the, you know, the, the All-Star game has came and has went, and now we're going off to the second half of the season. We're going off to the second half. And we're going to see what happens in the second half. Who's going to take over the NL East? Very bad division. But who's going to take it over? It's probably going to come down to, to the Nationals or the Braves, the two teams that are the two, the only two teams that are above 500 in that division. It's probably going to come down to those two teams, but none of those two teams really aren't, really have not been that reliable throughout the course of this season. But it comes down to those two teams. What's going to happen in the Central? It's a dogfight there. You know, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. You know, three and a half games. Pittsburgh is fourth in the. And El Central, but they're three and a half out. So it's it's a battle there. And then you look at the, the NL West. 
It's coming down to the Dodgers and the Giants. So you look at, other than the Central, there's pretty much two-team races in the National League, other than the Central. And you look out in the American League, Baltimore and Toronto right there. Yankees are there five back. But Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay and Boston, nine and a half games back. You would have to say, you're looking at the AL East at this point, probably a three-team race, Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees. And then you go to the Central, Detroit up six and a half. Kansas City and Cleveland right there, six and a half back. Kansas City, Cleveland, seven and a half back. I guess you can argue at that point it's a three-game, three-team race in the AL Central. But it looks like that's Texas division. And then you go out to the AOS, Oakland, and the Los Angeles Angels. One and a half games separates those two teams. Obviously, you look at those standings and you say, okay, that's a two-team race. So there's a lot of good baseball to be played and a lot of division that need to be hashed out, if you will. And you look at the wild card, Kansas City's right there, two and a half behind Seattle and the, the Angels in the AL, in the American League. So Kansas City's there, Toronto's there, the Cleveland's still there, and the Yankees there. All four of those teams are three and a half out. So those teams are there. And then you look at the National League, St. Louis is there, Cincinnati is there, one game out, Pittsburgh's there, three out. So you look at those three teams, St. Louis, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh, and those teams are still vying for the division as well. But they're right there when it comes to the – Wild card. So it's going to be an exciting second half of the baseball season. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully my Phillies, who are 10 games out and probably done. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not unrealistic about it. The Phillies are probably done, but they do play in a, a subpar division. And the Braves and the Nationals really are not hiding at this point. So and so, if the Phillies can somehow, some way get it together, and we've been waiting for that throughout the course of the season, waiting for the Phillies to somehow, someway get it together. Hasn't happened, but maybe it will at some point. We shall see. RG3 had some interesting comments and talking about Thursday Night Football. Quote, there are a lot of players out there who feel like there's not enough days in a week for us to be playing on Thursday. It's something that the NFL is going to have to address to keep the players safe we're also trying to maximize revenue. Well, obviously, going and playing on Thursday night after playing on Sunday night is really not a lot of rest. You talk about after Sunday, you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're probably on a plane, and then Thursday you're playing football. So really, it's really what, two, two and a half of solid rest? Before you go out and play another game, obviously that's not a recipe for for health. And as we saw from the Thursday night football games last year, there were some bad ones. There were some bad games on Thursday night football. There weren't a lot of good ones. And so, but the NFL is looking to do whatever they got to do to maximize revenue and find different revenue streams. Obviously, this is a revenue stream. This is a revenue stream. People are watching them. Is the quality the same? No. 
But again, they're finding a way to make money. I mean, an eight-game package was purchased by CBS for $275 million. So guess what? There's people who, who are willing to pay the money, stations and uh, you know, big corporate entities who are willing to pay the money to air those games. And people are watching. Fantasy football has you watching. Your love of the game has you watching. Gambling has you watching. All those things have you watching football on Thursday night. All those things. And so I look at it. Is, is uh, RG3 correct? Sure. Probably have no business playing on Thursday. After playing on Sunday, probably have no business at all. But guess what? This, really, this thing really isn't about money. This is not about money. This is not about uh, player safety. This is not about any of those things. This is about maximizing revenue. This is about making money. That's what this thing is about. It's all about making money. So it's all about. And right now the NFL is making money hand over foot. I mean, they're, they're, they're making it. They're doing it. They're doing it. Let's go back to the Cleveland Cavaliers and their whole situation. Obviously LeBron James is a Cleveland Cavalier. But let's go back to it now. You have LeBron James and, and with the Cavs, but also there's a report, according to some sources, that the Cavs are now willing to add Andrew Wiggins to any trade talks for Kevin Love. So they're willing now to add Andrew Wiggins to trade talks. So does that finally get it done? Does a package of an Anthony Bennett and an Andrew Wiggins, does that get it done? Maybe you got to add in the Dion Waiters as well. Does that get it done? And if you do that, where does that put the Cleveland Cavaliers? This is an interesting move. You know, you... I wouldn't want to be the executive to have to make this move because Andrew Wiggins could be an absolute star. But as I said earlier in the show, if if two titles come out of this, then who cares? So, I mean, I, I don't blame Cleveland if they were going to make this move. And in fact, if Kevin Love tells me that he's going to – if I can sign Kevin Love to an extension right then and there – I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that move. I'm going to make the trade. I'm going to do it, especially if I believe that this move would put me over the top. Cleveland needs size, and every Batman needs a Robin. So maybe Kevin Love is that Robin to the Batman, LeBron James. We'll see. Kevin Love is a double-double machine, but if you if you feel like this guy puts you over the top, then guess what? You got to make the move. And we talked about Carlos Boozer. Ultimately, he was amnestied. And we talked about the Lakers earlier, but he was amnestied by the Bulls. And the Lakers made the bid and, and, and got Carlos Boozer. So, according to sources, Carlos Boozer will be a Los Angeles Laker next season. So, we'll see. It should be interesting. Should be very interesting. But Carlos Boozer as a Laker, 
Obviously, it's an upgrade, big-time upgrade. Well, not an upgrade, per se. What am I talking about? But Boozer, as a Laker, I guess he replaces Pau Gasol. I guess he replaces Pau Gasol and what he brought to the table. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But obviously, Carlos Boozer now is going to be a Los Angeles Laker. So the Lakers got somebody in free agency. The, the Lakers got somebody in free agency. So I think the fans should be happy. <laughs> all right, all right. That's enough. You just got Carlos Boozer. Just Carlos Boozer. But, I mean, the, the, the obviously the Lakers are, are not in position to win a title. Not in position to win a title. So, <laughs> but, and during the day, they struck out in the free agency. Absolutely struck out. I mean, whether it was, um, they struck out. They pretty much struck out. And, you know, you, you, you had an opportunity. How realistic, I don't know how realistic their opportunities were for, for Melo. I don't know how realistic their opportunities were for LeBron James, really. Or any of his free agencies, uh, free agents for for that matter. But the bottom line is they struck out. They struck out big time, and they whiffed. And so the Lakers obviously are in disarray. As I said before, they don't have a coach. They don't have a coach. Put that in your pipe and smoke. They don't have a coach. Think about that. They still don't have a coach. So that's that's something you need to think about when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers. Get a coach. Get a coach for crying out loud. Get a coach. The great Bill Russell had a little scare today, taken to the hospital. Apparently, giving a speech, and he felt a little faint. Ultimately, he was taken to the hospital. Ultimately, he is right now, according to reports, he is feeling better, which is good, which is very good. Anything about Bill Russell, I always wondered. I mean, uh, I look at his beard and, and everything. It's just, you wonder if Bill Russell ever is going to cut that. <laughs> you wonder if he's going to cut that anytime soon. Beautiful. I mean, obviously, the, the, the beautiful gray in his beard, is, it, I mean, it looks beautiful. It looks nice. But, I mean, it does need a little trimming. It does need a little shape up in his goatee. A little shape up in his beard, if you will. It needs a little something. Needs something. But uh, he's Bill Russell, and when you're Bill Russell, you can do anything you want. He can do a lot of things because you're Bill Russell. Great to be Bill Russell, but I'm just glad that Bill Russell is doing just fine. Mike Miller, who signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, joining LeBron James in Cleveland becoming that sniper that LeBron James needs when that defense collapses on him. Well, he's looking also to recruit Ray Allen. He's looking to recruit Ray Allen. So now he wants Ray Allen to the Miami Heat. I mean, not the Miami Heat, the Miami Cavaliers, or you want to call him the Cleveland Heat. You know, but anyway, he wants, to, he wants Ray Allen. He's trying to recruit Ray Allen. Obviously, Ray Allen. Ray, we all know what Ray Allen did for LeBron James. We all know the shot that Ray Allen hit 
in the NBA Finals against the San Antonio Spurs. We all know that. We all know what Ray Allen brings to the table, his clutch shooting ability. The greatest three-point shooter in the history of the game, according to the numbers. So we all know what Ray Allen brings to the table. And obviously, playing with LeBron James makes the game so much easier for a lot of guys. Mike Miller catch and shoot. Ray Allen catch and shoot. All these guys are able to just catch and shoot and get a lot of open looks because they're playing with the great one, because they're playing with the king, King James. So playing with LeBron James, obviously, you know, obviously, is, I don't want to say no-brainer because you do have to go to Cleveland. And a lot of people, a lot of players have been reluctant to go to Cleveland over the years, have been reluctant to go to Cleveland. People don't view Cleveland the way LeBron James views Cleveland. Most people wouldn't go back to Cleveland. Most people, if they left Cleveland, probably wouldn't go back. Probably wouldn't go back. But LeBron James did. And so Mike Miller, you saw that he was on the verge of signing elsewhere, but then he found out LeBron James was signing with the Cavaliers. He follows him there. And you would think Ray Allen... The, the pleasure and the joy that he had playing with LeBron James, you would think he would also find a way to get to Cleveland. It is Cleveland. It is Cleveland, but those guys are older, and, and their family doesn't necessarily have to be there, per se, if they don't want them there in Cleveland. I mean, they can find a way to make it work. It's not like they, have to, they can stay in the best part of Cleveland or the, whatever the best part of Ohio is. They can do that. So it's really, those guys, those guys can really make it work. And I say the same thing about any other guy. I mean, if, if the money was right in Chicago, obviously Melo, even though his, his wife and his kid, he wanted his kid to be in New York and his wife and kid loved New York, they could have made it work. It's not like they have to live on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> they can live in a great place. They can make it work. So you look at it. If I'm Ray Allen, in the twilight of my career, if I still want to be about, if I'm a, I don't want, I, I, you know, Ray Allen's won some rings, one in Boston, one in Miami. So he's won two rings. But if I want to win more and I feel like I can still play and still contribute, why not follow LeBron James to Miami? Why not? Why not? When we come back, we're going to be joined by NBA legend Isaiah Thomas. Listen to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean season. anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on, now. Come on, now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. 
make it fun. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you. And we're back. The NBA free agency. NBA free agency was hot and heavy. It was great. To me, it was great for the league. I mean, there's not many times in the history of your league where you have the best player out there on the open market. It's just not many times you have that. But we're going to bring in a guy to talk about it, NBA legend, the one, the only, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Doing well. I, Thanks for joining us. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. Isaiah, obviously the biggest free agent out there, LeBron James, he decided to go home to Cleveland. Basketball-wise, I think it's a good move. Your thoughts on LeBron James going to Cleveland? I think it's a good move for him uh, personally and professionally. Um, you know, the, he left Cleveland to win championships, and he did. And now he's going back home to try to win championships in his hometown. And I think what LeBron understands is his influence in the community and his influence on the city. And, you know, this is a a decision where an athlete understands and recognizes the impact that he can have on the youth in the community and putting the community uh, before himself, uh, I thought was, was, was perfect. You know, the, the impact that he have on, small kids uh, growing up in the city of Cleveland, growing up in his hometown of Akron, Ohio. Uh, sometimes it, it, it helps more uh, to show up than just writing a check. So his presence sure. in the community will mean way more, ten times more, than writing a check for the community. Let me ask you this now. You know, based off the letter, you got the sense, like you said, that this was bigger than basketball. This was about his community, about Akron, Ohio. But let me ask you this. If Dwayne Wade was the player that he was four years ago, in your opinion, does LeBron return to Cleveland? No, I I really think he is sincere and uh, missing home. Uh, He's married. um, And, you know, he has kids now. And he has to take all those things into consideration. You know, this is the first time LeBron James has ever left home. Uh, he did not go to college, uh, and I thought it was interesting uh, the way he made his first announcement. It was almost like a, a college decision, like I am, right. you know, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And the way the whole press conference was set up, it was it was set up as if he was a, a high school player picking a college, and he had never had that experience. And now in his second return home, he made the reference again that I've been to college basically for four years. I left four years. Now I'm coming back home. And we have to take all that into account how he feels personally, where he's at, where he was emotionally at that time and where he's at now. He's a, he's a grown man with kids. And at that time he was uh, basically just looking at himself as a as a basketball player athlete who hadn't had the college experience 
and he made reference to both of them. And I think it was very subconscious the way he did it. I don't think it was a conscious thing at all. For sure. We're talking to NBA legend Isaiah Thomas. And you look at the Cavaliers now. Obviously, you had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Deion Waiters, and Andrew Wiggins. Who knows what could happen there? Maybe that's parlayed some way into Kevin Love, but who knows at this point? Looking at the Cavs right now, are they the best team in the Eastern Conference as we speak today? As we speak today, you would have to say the Chicago Bulls are the best team in the Eastern Conference okay. if they're healthy. If, if Derrick Rose is healthy and, you know, adding the song with, um, you know, Noah and their coaching staff, um, you know, you you would have to give them the edge. Um, I really like the draft pick in, in McDermott. I mean, I think he can – he fits their system. Um, he can really shoot the basketball. He knows how to play. And, um, you know, I, I really like uh, Chicago right now, and I would pick them as the favorite. Indiana uh, is a little weaker uh, because they've lost um, Lance. And uh, you look at Cleveland and Miami, while Cleveland has gotten stronger, Miami has gotten weaker, uh, they both will be formidable challengers to Chicago. And let me ask you this. you got Carmelo Anthony now. He returns to the New York Knicks, takes a little less than the max. I look at the Knicks situation, and as far as I'm concerned, personally, I believe that it's going to be difficult for Melo and the New York Knicks to ultimately win a championship. And granted, we'll see what happens. Phil Jackson, big-time executive, Derek, Fish, Derek Fisher, we'll see what happens there. Phil Jackson, first-time executive, I should say. So we'll see how that works out. But how do you view Melo and the New York Knicks, and was this a good decision for him basketball-wise? It was Really, the the only decision for him, um, you know, the way the the way the collective bargaining agreement is today, uh, to ask Carmelo Anthony to leave seventy five, close to you know seventy million dollars or sixty million dollars on the table, um, no no human being uh, <laughs> will do that uh, that I know of, and uh, you know that. That, that's first-generation and second-generation money. Uh, sure. that, you know, he had to make the decision to, to stay in New York. Now, uh, if the collective bargaining agreement wasn't so tilted and he had to make a basketball choice uh, without money being a factor, I do think Chicago would have been his choice. However, uh, money was a factor, and there's no way he could turn down that type of money. Let me ask you this. You, you talked about the collective bargaining agreement and how pretty much it does tilt towards the owner. We have a lot of people talking about, okay, this guy should take this. This guy shouldn't take the max. you got Dirk Nowitzki and, and Tim Duncan. These guys essentially taking pay cuts to help their team have more cap flexibility. Looking at this, from a, you've been a player. You've been an executive in this league. How do you view this whole situation of the money and guys taking a little less than the max and guys not taking the max and guys being criticized for taking the max? Well, the players never should ever, ever, ever be criticized for taking the max because the owners are never criticized for taking the max. Uh, and when a player takes less, that means the owner gets more. It's not like the owner is giving money back also. Um, so uh, now 
there are some players in terms of their age, in terms of their, um, you know, their career path, where it's in their best interest to maybe knock a million or two off uh, to win a championship because they can make up for it on the other side. Hence LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. What they were able to do as three younger, maturing players in this league, they were able to come together, win championships, still be of, of age on the next contract to max out, but while they were taking lifts and were winning championships and making up for it on the endorsement side. You look right. at um, you know older players in this league who have won championships, like a Dirk Nowitzki, who's won championships, like a Tim Duncan, who has won championships, on the downside of their career, uh, you know, they can say, well, I'll take less money to have a better team because I'm not the player that I used to be. When I was 23, 24, 25, I can carry the load. Now that I'm 34, 35, I need help, so I should take less money so I can get more help. Uh, but asking younger players in the, in the prime of their careers who aren't bringing in two or three other uh, young players with them to go for a championship, asking those players to take less to try to win the championship single-handedly, in my opinion, is the wrong idea. We're talking to Isaiah Thomas. And, Isaiah, let's go to the Los Angeles Lakers now. You look at this team. They essentially struck out in free agency. Powell Gasol is going to the Chicago Bulls. At this point, they still don't even have a coach. You look at Kobe Bryant, two years left on his contract. We don't know what he's going to be. How do you see the Lakers right now? I think we're all surprised uh, because you would think, um, you know, one of the historic franchises in in all league, um, having one of the the, the dominant players in um, Kobe Bryant, uh, would strike out in free agency the way uh, they, you know, the way they struck out was, um, yeah. you know, I think it's uh, kind of shocking to to everyone right now, and probably even to the Lakers themselves, um, because they're not um, they're not used to um, they're not used to getting what they want. Uh, they they seem to have always gotten a players traditionally that they've always gone after. And um, I think it's a shock for them and also our league. For sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's surprising. I mean, I can't believe that the Lakers didn't get anybody. But let me ask you this. You look at Kobe Bryant. He's coming off the Achilles injury. You had an Achilles injury, so you know what it's all about. Can Kobe Bryant be the same Kobe Bryant? Well, he won't be the Kobe Bryant that he was when he was 24, 25. Um, but he will still be a 20 to 25 point scorer in this league. Um, he knows how to score. Um, he can he can shoot the basketball. He knows how to get to the foul line. Uh, his athleticism uh, won't be what it what it used to be. However, uh, his fundamentals are still uh, superior to you know, probably 80%, uh, 85% of the, the players who are playing in this league. So he still will be a 20-point scorer in the threat out on the floor. You brought up Lance Stevenson earlier. Let's talk about Lance Stevenson. He signed with the Hornets. 
I think Lance Stevenson kind of gets a raw deal for some of the things that happened against LeBron James in that Miami series. The way I look at it, hey, if you're less talented than the person, you've got to find a way to anything you can to get an advantage, and I think that's what he tried to do against LeBron James in the Miami Heat. Looking at Lance Stevenson, what does that move mean for the Hornets, and what does that mean, move mean also for the Indiana Pacers? Well, it definitely makes the Hornets better. Um... You know, um, they um, they have improved their team, and um, the Pacers are, are are weaker because of his departure. Uh, he's a you know he's a player that has um, developed and has gotten better, um, you know, every year. And the Pacers will miss him, and I I do think he makes the Hornets better. He makes their perimeter better. And you know they they still have a uh, big Al Jefferson in the middle, so uh, I think it's a a good move for the Hornets and um, you know a good signing for them. Now let's get you out on this. We talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers. We talked about the possibilities of Kevin Love. If you were the Cleveland Cavaliers, would you package uh, Andrew Wiggins and say a Dion Waiters, say Anthony Bennett? to get Kevin Love? Would you trade Wiggins or put Wiggins in a deal to get Kevin Love? Well, it all depends on, on, on Cleveland's um, mentality right now. Uh, do, they, do, they, um, do they sit back and wait and, and slowly build? Um, now that you have LeBron James and you have all these draft picks um, and, and young players on your roster, do you let them grow? Or do you, um, you know, trade some of them and, and go after it immediately? Um, you you add Kevin Love uh, with LeBron James, it definitely makes you a contender in the East right away uh, because of the talent. Um, so, you know, I, that's a that's a decision that, that the front office really has to make, and um, you know, we'll we'll see what they do. You know, you you have LeBron James. Uh, on an opt-out year for two years, uh, so you know there's a there's some there there's some pressure there to to make sure that in these next two years that everything is to his liking because if it's not um, you know not saying that he will leave but there's always that possibility for sure. For sure. And was there any times we you know LeBron James went back to Cleveland? Were there times in your career? And that you wanted to go to Chicago, that you wanted to go home? I think every player, um, you know, wants to go home. Um, you know, had I, had I ever had the opportunity to, to play in Chicago, uh, I would have had to, you know, very seriously because, you know, home is where you come at. And my mom was in Chicago and, you know, who don't want to go back and and be where mom is at? And I, I was no different. You know, fortunately enough for me, in Detroit, I had a lot of moms who were who who made Detroit feel like home for me. So, um, but you know, as you can see, I, I split my time still today uh, between you know Chicago, uh, Detroit, and now that you know I, I still have a home here in New York, but. Um, you know, my, my businesses, my offices are, you know, they're still in Chicago. My family's still there. So, you know, when, when you're talking about 
you know, leaving home for us as mama's boys, and I was a mama's boy, uh, that's, that's difficult. So having the opportunity to go back and be with mama, that's hard to turn down. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. Speaking as a mama's boy myself, I mean, I, that's a, you're right. I mean, if you have an opportunity to be with mama, there's nothing like it. I mean, you, there's nothing like it, nothing like it in this world. I mean, you got a good mom, man. I mean, there's nothing that beats a great mom in this world, nothing. So you're right. You're right. I mean, if you have an opportunity to go see mama and be with mama, you got to be with mama. So, I mean, it's definitely understandable. Isaiah, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Isaiah Thomas on Twitter? My Twitter handle is I am Isaiah Thomas. So fans, that's my Twitter make- handle. But my ba- my basketball handle, you know, is is still with me though. <laughs> <laughs> Does that ever leave? You know, it's, it ain't as fast as it used to be, but it you know it, it's still all right. <laughs> Do you still get out there a lot? You still get out on the court, play a little bit. I, I don't go out and play, but I, I go out and shoot, uh, and I okay. still have basketball dreams, and I, I I hope that never leaves me. I I hope I I still you know I I hope till the day I die, I I continue to have basketball dreams because that, you know, those are some of my happiest dreams. You having basketball dreams, and I still have them. So that's I'm happy about that. <laughs> that's always a great thing, man. Always a great thing to have some basketball dreams. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe you can get back out there one time or another. Get out there, run some full court, have some fun. Nah, see, when you say run full court, have some fun. Only thing I can think of is pain. <laughs> when, when if I have to run full court, that that's not fun. But half court, I think I can. I'll be all right half court, but. Running full court, I don't know if I can do that anymore. Fans, make sure you hit this guy up on Twitter at I am Isaiah Thomas. Make sure you go to his foundation website, marriescourtfoundation.org, and support all the great things going on with Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah, pleasure talking to you as always, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Thank you very much um, for having me on, and um, all my love to Detroit. I miss you, and thank you for always holding me down. Take care. (laughs) All right. Isaiah Thomas, NBA legend, Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, it's great to get his insight. Great to get his insight and and see what he thinks about this free agency. And here's the thing. He talked about LeBron James and going home. Let's be honest. We all have given an opportunity to go home. We all would like to make an impact on our hometown, our home city. The thing, about, the thing about it is sometimes life, and I heard a wise man once say this. I heard a wise man once say this. You got to leave your hometown for a little bit of time, and then you come back. Because when you leave your hometown, you get a different perspective on life. You, you, you get a different perspective on life. So it's always good to leave the hometown, always good to leave mama for a period of time. And then after you leave, Mama, if you want, if you feel inclined to do so, you can circle back. Come on back home. The wise, man's once, wise, wise man once said, leave home for a little bit. Leave home. And then after you leave home for a little bit, come on back. 
You can come on back. But you want to leave home so you can get a worldly perspective on things. So your perspective won't just be Chicago. So your perspective won't just be Philly. So your perspective won't just be Detroit for LeBron. So your perspective just won't be Akron. Now you go four years in Miami, so now you have a different perspective on life. You see different things. You mature. You become a better person because you've experienced different things. So you can go home. You can't go home, but it's always important to, to, to leave that home for a period of time. Just a little worldly advice, just a little advice for you people out there trying to live your life. Leave your hometown for a little bit. Leave for a little bit. It's okay. Leave for a little bit. Get a different perspective on life. See different things. Understand different things. Understand different cultures, different people. See these different things. That's what it's about to me. Leaving to get a different perspective on life, to get a better understanding about life, and to see things from different perspectives. That allows you to become a better person. That allows you to grow as a person. And that's always a good thing. Growth is a good thing. Becoming better as a person is always a good thing. Always a good thing. But definitely we want to thank Isaiah Thomas for coming. We were expected to be joined by Vince Carter. We tried to get him. Still working to get him. Uh, Looks like we're going to try to get him back another day. But we tried. We were scheduled to have Vince Carter on in the first hour at 610, but for whatever reason, he was not able to call in. Hopefully we can schedule, reschedule Vince Carter in the future to get him on and talk sports and have fun doing it. But I want to thank rapper Amirati for stopping by. Make sure you support his music and all the great things going on with Amirati. And also I want to thank the great Isaiah Thomas for stopping by. Make sure you go to his Twitter page at I am Isaiah Thomas. Make sure you go to his foundation website, marysquartfoundation.org, and then support all the great things going on with Isaiah Thomas. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, or you can listen to this show and other great shows. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at goforitgan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, make sure you hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash goforitgan. For everybody here at GoFort, we hope you have a great week. We hope you have a great weekend, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of this beautiful summer. And we'll be back, obviously. We'll be back next Thursday, and uh, hopefully we can have Vince Carter back next Thursday and uh, get him back on, get him on as he was supposed to join us today. So, again, you can listen to this show and other shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begin. You also can hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for again. And also hit us up on Twitter at go for again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here at go for we hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care. Bye.